Hi, I'm Sue. Very grateful member of the Al-Anon family groups. And this is uh, Friday night, got them on a step study. And in this meeting, we took a group conscience years ago to use the AA and, and the uh, Al-Anon 12 and 12 for the steps. And we use the Al-Anon 12 and 12 for the traditions. The AA traditions do not apply to us, but the steps are very good because it was many years before the Al-Anon 12 and 12 came out. And Bill Wilson, many years ago, dedicated the AA 12 and 12 to Al-Anon to use. He did it in 1970 at the World Conference. And, uh, and there's a letter uh, in the World Service Office on that, but if you call them and ask permission to use this AA 12 and 12, they won't tell you that. They'll say, uh, uh, well, we have our own 12 and 12 now. That's all they'll say to you. So anyway, we went to uh, the authorities which is our beautiful O'Neill. <laughs> and, uh, well, she was around when they were doing all this stuff. She was in touch with uh, Bill and Lois and helped them write the traditions and uh, was very active back then. And, uh, and she remembers all that stuff. And I have a letter from uh, Arbutus that Lois Wilson wrote saying that we could use the AA 12 and 12 many, many years ago. So I don't have a problem using both of these books in this step study. And uh, I like, tonight it's on the 10th step, and I like the 10th step in the AA 12 and 12 because it is more thorough than the one in the Al-Anon 12 and 12. Uh, in our fifth tradition, it also says that we can refer to the AA Big Book from time to time, and when I share, that's always the time. So, <laughs> I was raised on that big book because our literature was very limited when I got here 28 and a half years ago. All right, on the tenth step, it said, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. And if you can see my AA 12 and 12, it, is, it needs rebound. It is all falling apart. The reason being is that one time there was a lady uh, that I had sponsored that um, had walked away. She was obsessed. I'd, um, I've talked about her earlier on in one of the steps, the one that wanted to be just like me. And uh, so after she finally uh, left, um, she had gone out to uh, Baker, California, to work for a company out there. And I was getting pages out of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous with sentences and paragraphs highlighted in them being sent to me anonymously. I guess that was in case I'd missed that the first time I read it. Anyway, uh, I knew that that lady had gone out to Baker to work, and I was getting these anonymous Big Book pages highlighted from Postmark Baker, California. It's like, duh, I might have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. And uh, so anyway, one of those envelopes happened to arrive one day when Arbutus was staying at our house. And uh, I got it, and I just went berserk. And uh, I said, I know who's doing this, you know, and... Uh, I was cussing and ranting and raving like crazy. And uh, Keith said, uh, you know what, Arbutus, I'm out of here. She's yours. You can deal with this tonight. I'm not going to. And I was going to go over and beat the hell out of her. And Arbutus said, no, you're not. And I just kept ranting and raving and swearing. And finally Arbutus said, if you don't quit talking like that, you are going to have to leave this house. I go, whoa, wait a minute, this is my house. You can't kick me out of my house. And she started reading to me out of the AA 12 and 12 on step 10. And I said, I don't owe that lady uh, any amends at all, and I'm not going to make amends to her. And she said, here, I want you to read this part. And when she handed me my book, I threw it against the wall, and it just 
went to hell all over the place. And uh, Arbutus said, you know, she told me earlier, she said, you think you're so tough. And uh, so after I threw that book, she said, uh, okay, so if you go over to her house right now, because I was going to go over there and I was going to kick her ass. And she said, if you go over there, what would you do? You think you're so tough? Exactly. What would you do? And I said, it's very simple. I'd go over and I'd knock on her door and she'd open the door and she wouldn't be expecting me and she'd look surprised and I'd grab her by the head of her hair and her face would go down and meet my knee. And then I would turn around and walk away. And I really said, oh my God, you are that mean. And uh, so she started reading the 10th step to me again. She finally got me calmed down. And what she was reading to me was, not my will, but thy will be done. And she was talking to me about, am I doing to others as I would have them do unto me today? And that got me calmed down. Because if I had bought into that, I would have been exactly like her. And I did not, I could not afford to return to being that kind of person. And so it's this step that keeps me in tow on a daily basis. This step, the principle of step 10, is consistency. Now, when we go through the steps, you know, we do, uh, you know, we're powerless, our life's unmanageable. We believe there's a power that can return us to sanity. We turn our life and our will over to God, and then we do the inventory, the fourth step, and the fifth step. Then we give it away in the fifth step. We look at the character defects, the sixth step. We turn those over to God and start working on our assets in the seventh step. We make our amends list in the eighth step, and we start making those direct amends wherever possible in the ninth step. And so this step, once you do all of those steps, all of those steps, one through nine, is only the first half of this program. The first half of this program is steps one through nine. So what do you do when you get here? If you have worked a good, thorough moral inventory, and if you left nothing out, and you get to this step, the only steps you have to work the rest of your life is 10, 11, and 12, because this step 10 encompasses the first nine steps. Because it says, continues to take personal inventory. That's step four. And when we were wrong, which includes six and seven, promptly admit it, which is eight and nine. So this step is all of the first time, nine steps inclusive. Now, in the AA Big Book, it says, I'm going to read off of page 84 in the AA Big Book, and I'm just going to read a paragraph. This thought brings us to step 10, which we've just read the promises that happen after we do the ninth step, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and to continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. This is not about our old mistakes. This is a daily inventory. So we keep current and we keep intact what we have been training ourselves to become. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. So by the time we get to this step, we have a conscious contact with our higher power, and we are working with that power, which is the spirit of God. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. Now, before I got to this program, it was not my job to understand anybody. It was definitely my job to straighten them out. And so I don't do that anymore. So uh, I have to grow in understanding and say, try to understand 
especially the alcoholic. Uh, like I've said before, when we were new in the program, and uh, my daughter and I were, she was going to Alateen and I was going to Al-Anon, and when Keith would get in a bad place, we'd say, he's just being an alcoholic today. And that would be okay with us. Because there was days that all he could not do was not drink, and that was enough. And we respected that. And so we understood that. Now, in the program of Al-Anon, we understand that Al-Anons are working on growth. They might not have the growth that you do or that I do, but they're working on it. So we have to have the understanding that everybody in here is not well. For the newcomers, well people don't come here, so you are not qualified to be out there by yourself anymore if you're sitting in this room. (laughs) (laughs) And we have to do this with effectiveness. What does that mean, effectiveness? That means that I have to, to be effective in applying these steps to my life and not go off on people like I used to. And I have to be consciously aware of that on a daily basis. Um, in a lot of Alano clubs, they have the sign, think, think, think. And a lot of times they tell alcoholics, that's not for you. Don't do that. Well, the reason they say that to alcoholics because it's true, because thinking gets them into a lot of trouble. I think that sign was made for Alanons. Because... Um, Before I got this program, I never stopped to think before I reacted. I reacted and then I thought. And so I have to stop and think today to become consciously aware of what's going on around me and my surroundings and what other people are doing so I don't have to react to them the way I used to. It's like last night in our Thursday night meeting, we were on that, um, we had the maturity the checklist for maturity. And different people read different parts of that and shared on it, and it's great. Most of the people that shared on that shared on people that they work with. Well, we're at work more than we are at home with our families. That's called practicing these principles in all of our affairs. And when I was new in this program, it used to just really upset me that I had to have patience and tolerance for people, especially people that I worked with, that had a lot of character defects. And they were not aware of them. (laughs) They did not want me to point them out to them. And they didn't want to change. They liked themselves exactly the way they were. They were not aware that they were (laughs) a-holes. And I was told it wasn't my job to tell them that. So as a result of that, I had to start practicing these principles at work and be more loving and kind and understanding. I have to practice these principles at bonds a lot because of the yuppies in the area I live in. They, uh, they are weird. They have a lot of character defects. And uh, I have to practice a lot of patience and tolerance. The whole deal about bonds, and I've shared this through the steps of the different circumstances I've gone through at bonds, I wonder what my growth would be in this program today if I didn't shop at bonds. I think I would be way behind schedule. (laughs) Those people there teach me so much about myself. And it's just awesome to me. Uh, And then it says, this is not an overnight matter. That means that we do this every day. Every day. There's no leniency in here. No slacking off. In the big book it says, half measures avail less nothing. That means nothing. Zero. Blotto. Nothing's there. It doesn't mean half measures avail us half of anything. It's nothing. So we have to pursue this on a daily basis. It should continue for our lifetime. Isn't that amazing? 
How many people share that they came in here to get the recipe to, on how to get the alcoholic sober and found out it was a way of life for themselves? And it cannot stop. It can never stop. It's an ongoing thing. Um, I found out this week. Uh, last Thursday, uh, Keith was sharing in a meeting in Vegas, and a bunch of couples went up there. Um, I went with Keith, and some other couples went on up there. So Thursday night, I was in an AA meeting. And uh, and with those couples, there were Al-Anons there, but we weren't enmeshed. You know, we were around together. We were talking to other people in the AA meeting, which is great. I love alcoholics. I love to be around them. They're my entertainment. And then Friday morning we got up and we went to Laughlin because there was a AA convention there and Keith was sharing at the convention. And so Friday night there was a Friday afternoon there was an Alnon meeting that was a show and tell thing that uh, was really half measures and it just really did nothing, absolutely nothing for me except disappoint me in what's becoming of this program. It's getting so watered down. And so I was not energized. I was not pleased with that meeting. I was very disappointed. And, oh, my God, if this is the way it's going to be, what's going to happen to Al-Anon as a whole? So that meeting didn't do anything to me. for me. It was an Al-Anon meeting. I couldn't wait till it was over. Then... Um, Friday night was an AA speaker meeting. Did not like the AA speaker. Known him for years. He embellished like crazy on his story and lied a lot. So I was very disappointed in that meeting. So then Saturday, go to the Al-Anon luncheon, and there was a speaker that I just heard recently. And uh, the person really got into a lot of philosophizing, and it sounded like a lecture. I don't go to Al-Anon to hear lectures. I go to Al-Anon to hear somebody share their experience, strength, and hope, and that makes me feel better. Lectures don't help me that much. I might hear a few things out of them, but it's not the program. And then uh, Friday afternoon, there was another AA speaker, and he was great. He talked about what Alcoholics Anonymous really is, and that was a good meeting. And then Keith talked Saturday night. And it was an AA meeting, and he shared a good AA talk. And we got up Sunday morning, and we came home. And I did laundry and did things around the house Sunday night. We don't go to a Sunday night meeting. And uh, so Monday, I came to the hall to the AA 12 and 12 step study. I always do that. It's an open participation meeting, and I like it. But I'm sitting with a lot of alcoholics. Very few Al-Anons go to that meeting. Tuesday I got up, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I started, th- I started focusing in on things Keith was saying and things Keith was doing. And Keith was just doing and saying things that he does all the time. He was being Keith. But I started focusing on it, and I started thinking my, counting my gratefuls. Okay, I'm grateful for this. I have all of this. My life's better than it's ever been. What's going on with me? So I called my sponsor, and uh, I talked to my sponsor. And uh, I told her a couple of things that I was focusing in on Keith, and I said, you know, I know Keith's not in a good place because he's, his tooth's bothering him. He's going in for a root canal, so I'm just keeping my mouth shut because I know he's irritable and he's in pain and I don't know what's going on with me so I can't respond to anything. That's not a good combination in our house. You know, she said, good, just keep your mouth shut and continue to pray. You might read your books again, which I did. And then toward in the afternoon, I just kept getting feeling more and more empty, uh, more and more like a was going to go into a depression or something. And my sponsor was sharing at our Tuesday night Al-Anon meeting. And he said to me, you know, isn't Gene sharing at your meeting tonight? And I said, yes. And he said, aren't you excited? And I said, yeah, I am. And he said, I can't tell. 
I said, I don't know. You know, I feel fine. You know, fine. Uh, we all know what that means. And, uh, which meant that I didn't feel fine. And, uh, and I was feeling all those things. Effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. I was feeling all those things. But the emotional part was fading out. And, uh, so I came to the meeting and Jean started sharing and she got into her talk. And it went boom. And I started feeling like I always feel. And it all came back. Al-Anon did for me exactly what it was supposed to do for me Tuesday night. And I called my sponsor the next day and I said, I got it. I know what was wrong with me. I had not been in an Al-Anon meeting since last week. I can't go four or five days without an Al-Anon meeting. I can read my literature, I can pray, and I can meditate, and I can talk to my sponsor. But it is the whole enchilada. We can't just read our literature and get better. We can't just call and dump on somebody and get better. We can't just pray to God and get better. It takes the whole package. So that's why it said it should be, it should continue for a lifetime. I got 28 and a half years, and it took me, I had to have that reinforcement so I could keep aware of the consistency that I need to work this program with. Now, I was in meetings that whole time, but they weren't as strong as my home group meetings, and most of them were AA meetings. I am not an alcoholic. AA will not fix me. I love alcoholics, but I can't live with a whole bunch of alcoholics 24-7. That's what got me to this program. I have to be around my people. I have to be in my meetings. I have to have it all or I am not complete. And that's what was happening to me, is that I wasn't feeling that completeness and so I understand today why I feel good most of the time is because I go, I go, my meeting schedule is, is Monday night I go to the AA um, 12 and 12 open meeting. Tuesday night is my home group Al-Anon meeting. Wednesday night I'm in prison and it's an Al-Anon meeting. Or I'm talking to out-of-state people that I sponsor on Wednesday night. Thursday night, I'm in another Al-Anon home group meeting. Friday night's my step study meeting. Saturday morning is the, I go to a noon meeting, an Al-Anon noon meeting on Thursday. And Thursday night, I go to my home group meeting. Friday's the step study meeting. Saturday morning is our family meeting at the hall. And Saturday night is our AA meeting. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I go to eight meetings a week. Don't everybody come up after this meeting and say I'm tired. Because when I'm not in this meeting, I'm out of state in a meeting somewhere. I'm out of state in a conference. I am in meetings all the time. You know why? Because one of you would die if I didn't. That's the kind of person I am. Just like that missing link wasn't there this week. If I'd gone another day, the irritableness would have started coming in. I would start smarting off, and I would have been given sarcastic little jabs. And by the third day, I would have gotten physical. That's who I am. I cannot live without this program. <coughs> Excuse me. I told Keith about it, and I said, I am no different than you. I said, you have always had to be surrounded by alcoholics ever since you got sober. And I've never had a problem with that. You've always had to be in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous every day. I have never had a problem with that. But I just got it reconfirmed in me this week 
that I'm the same way. I cannot live without this program and my God and the people in it. I have to have the whole enchilada. And I have to do it the rest of my life or I won't have one. Based on who I am. This program is the only thing that arrests the disease of alcoholism. We walk out that door and it is back immediately. My first sponsor used to say, you know, if you stay here, we will guarantee you serenity and peace of mind. But if you walk out that door, your misery will be promptly refunded. And she ain't shitting. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. I can't afford to go there. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. If I don't do this, all of those come up. When these crop up, we ask God at once. And when it says continue to watch, that's a step four for selfishness, dishonest, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. Steps six and seven. We discuss them with someone immediately. Step five. And make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Steps eight and nine. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Step 12. Love and tolerance of others is our code. And it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But when I'm in good God consciousness, love and tolerance is a lot easier. I heard a story the other day that there was this people on the farm. And this lady went outside one day and there was these three men outside and they were hungry and they were cold. And they said, uh, we would like to come in and get warm and have dinner. Our names are wealth, success, and love. You have to decide which one of us can come in. We can't all come in together. And so she said, well, let me go ask my husband. So she went in the house and said, there's these three, four men out there, and they're hungry and tired, and they need a place. Uh, they want some food, but they can't all come in at once, and their names are well, success, and love. And they can, we can only invite one of them in. Only one can come in. And he said, great, let's invite wealth in. And she goes, well, that's a good idea. You know, she said, but if we invite success in, we will get wealth. And their daughter walked in, and she had heard them talking, and she goes, why don't we invite love in? We can never have too much love in our home. And they looked at their daughter and thought, out of the mouths of babes. And so they said, okay. And so the lady goes to the door, and she said, okay, we made a decision, and love can come into our home. And all three men walked in. And this lady said, wait a minute. I thought you said that only one of you can come in. And one of the men said, if you had only invited wealth, only wealth would have come. If you had only invited success, only sex, success would have come. But when you invited love, you got all three. And that's what this program does. This is a program of love and tolerance. <laughs> Okay, in the Al-Anon 12 and 12, it says, When we learned that our self-observing and self-evaluation was to continue confirming the basic purpose of the 12 steps as a way of life. Now, my husband says a lot, if you don't have an alcoholic in your life, why do you need Al-Anon? Well, he does not understand that once the alcoholic is no longer around, we are still us. And because we've been affected by the disease of alcoholism, we have it. And so it has to be a way of life or we will be the messed up people that come in here. A continuing review became easier because we had been geared up for it by our earlier efforts. It's talking about steps one through nine. The self 
knowledge came all the more readily when it was bolstered by our willingness to correct our mistakes as soon as they happen. So with this step 10, every night when I lay my head down, I review my day, and if I owe anybody amends, I do it immediately the next day. Or if they're in my house, I'll do it that night. Because that's what I'm supposed to do. And it relieves the burden of the guilt and all of the wrong and the things that I am uh, incapable of doing. Once I admit that I'm wrong and I take a tenth step with someone, I was wrong. And I want to make amends to you. Then my freedom comes again because it's the ninth step. The ninth step is our freedom step. And once I do that, it's like, I'm okay again. And I don't have to pile all that stuff up. I don't have accumulated, I don't accumulate baggage anymore and carry that around with me a lot. Now, a lot of people do. They'll get a resentment and they'll nurse it and then, you know, then they'll collect another resentment because somebody will say something else to them and then pretty soon they they collect another resentment and then pretty soon they got a garbage pail full of resentments again. They're just full of all this crap because they're not taking a daily inventory and looking at themselves. They're not talking to a sponsor and saying, I don't understand what my part was in this. And they're not making the amends for their part, no matter what. You know, it says in the big book, and it says in our literature too, that it doesn't matter what other people do to us. It's what part we played and what part we participated in, and that's what we have to clean up. But we have to look at ourselves and run it through all these steps each time. We come to recognize we had done something unwise, unkind, or ungenerous, and we didn't feel quite easy until we had corrected the error. Gossip is one of the most damaging things we can do to each other or to anybody. There used to be a thing that was very strong in this home group, and uh, it, it slacked off a lot. And uh, we used to use the term pulling covers a lot. And I don't know what's happened to that, but I hear a lot of tense steps on people, and uh you know, people call me to report so-and-so did this, so-and-so said that. What's wrong with it? The time it's happening, ask the person that's saying something crappy to you. What step is that? Pull their covers. So why are you talking to me that way? What have I done to you? What have I done to you to deserve this? You know, why are you telling me this? Or if someone comes up to you and says, I have a resentment on my sponsor and she's blah, 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 blah. Say, why do you find it necessary to tell me this? Because you don't make friends feel bad. The only reason we say stuff like that is to other people is because we feel bad and we want to take them down with us. We want to drag them into our goop and make them feel goopy with us and then we're not alone again. But we're in the mar, and we're wallowing in the crap. And then they'll co-sign our stuff, and pretty soon there's two or three people hanging around with resentments toward this one person, and two of them haven't even, it wasn't even toward them. Oh, she's a real witch, you know that. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. You know, I don't like her either, you know. And that person might never talk to you, but you have an opinion because somebody has told you other stuff that they've felt and it is so damaging. That's like uh, somebody that uh, used to be in our group now works at our central office. And every time somebody goes in there, she starts questioning them. Well, Hi, how are you? Are you with the same home group? Well, is so-and-so in the same home group? Well, the other day, one of the new people that I sponsored went down there, and she didn't know this gal was working down there. And this gal said, hi, how are you? You're still going to Alan? And this gal said, yeah. Well, do you know so-and-so? You know, are you still friends with her? And she said, yeah, we're still friends. And this uh, worker at the office, she said, uh, 
Well, is it still the same home group you were with? And my sponsoree said, Why are you asking? Oh, well, this gal said, I'm just trying to make conversation. And my sponsoree looked at her and said, Wrong topic. (laughs) Have a nice day. And she paid for her literature and left. That's what needs to happen. That's called pulling covers. Why do you ask? You know, a good thing to say to people is that when they say, you know, how's old Chris P. doing? I heard blah, 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 blah. The best response for that is to say, I don't know, why don't you go ask Chris P.? People used to say to me, Keith would be out of town or whatever, and uh, I'd be in meetings. And I, when he used to work out of town, I would go to my Saturday night AA meeting, whether he was there or not. Because my sponsor told me that I needed to be at at least one AA speaker meeting a week so I could learn that I didn't live with the only crazy person in town. And, uh, and that's what got me into acceptance of alcoholics. And so people would ask me when I go by myself and Keith wasn't there and he was off work and how's Keith doing? And I'd say, I don't know, you'll have to ask it yourself. That is the best response. When somebody asks you about somebody else. Because most of the time it's gossip. Well, I guess they're fine. You should talk to them yourself. Well, I don't know. I won't allow myself to get caught up in those things because it just brings up too much stuff. And when I get caught up in those things, things I say get twisted and get repeated wrong. And then somebody else comes, oh, I heard you said so-and-so, you know. It's wrong, wrong, wrong. So it has to do with keeping our side of the street clean. This, By the time we get to this step, we are aware of what drags us in to our old habit patterns. Because... All of the people that I had on my resentment list were the people that I had old habit patterns with. And when I see those patterns in other people, i got to stay away from them. They are not a program of attraction to me. I cannot afford to hang out with people like that. We were not comfortable when we found ourselves in a situation we had created and wished we hadn't. Have you ever done that? It's real easy. Yeah. Oh, why don't we go over here and, you know. It's like uh, one time years ago, Keith, uh, he was going to meetings with at another group. He still had his home group, but on other nights he would go to meetings at another group. And he had resentments at people toward there, over there. And uh, he told his sponsor, he said, I'm just going to go over there and mind my own business. And his sponsor said, if you're going over there, you're not minding your own business. (laughs) It's like, what are your motives? What are you going to check out? Get caught up on all the gossip? That's like I was talking to somebody today. Um, After I left uh, my company and retired, I had a really good friend, a lady that I was good friends with at that company, and for a year her and I would talk from time to time, and we stayed friends. And then it dawned on me one day that when her and I talked, the only thing we had in common to talk about was the people that still work there. And some of the people were doing good and some of them weren't. And so it dawned on me that all I was doing was keeping up on the gossip and I started dwindling off, and I haven't talked to those people in over a year because it wasn't necessary for me to keep my nose in their business. I don't even have anything to do with them anymore. They're not part of my life anymore. Why do I want to hear all that crap? It's like if you move from one neighborhood, you sell your house, and you buy a house somewhere else, You don't keep going back to your old neighborhood and checking up on your neighbors to see if they're mowing their lawn or whatever it is, putting their trash out. Are they still throwing their trash in the new people's yard like they used to you? 
you know, what good? That is such a waste of time. And that's like people that leave our group and still want to keep caught up on what's going on. Why did they leave if they're still interested? You know, live and let live. You know, move on. Get a life. Stay out of mine. I don't meddle in theirs. I, I work my program. I mind my own business. That's what this program is all about. Okay? When we were aware we had reacted through selfishness, resentment, or any other fault, it reminded us that these shortcomings were not entirely rooted out of our work with step four through step seven. Lapses hurt us, perhaps even, perhaps even more than they hurt others. <coughs> but they could also be lessons for growth. <coughs> so if you go through a bad experience or bad circumstances or a bad time, it's not bad if you learn from it. It's a growth period, just like the last four days last weekend. I had a great time. I had a great time in Vegas with those people. I had a great time at that conference. But something was missing. And by the end of that four or five days, something was missing in me. But I had a great time. And so when I look back on it, and it dawned on me what, what it was, I learned one more time, it's the consistency for me. And I could have a good time, and I could do that, but it drained me. It drained me. That's why I have to go all the time. Every time I go to a meeting, it's like I write a check, and I put it in a savings account. Everything that I learned at that meeting goes in my savings account. And then the next day, I'm having a good day, and I go to a meeting, and I take everything I get from that meeting, and I take it out, and I put it over here in my savings account. Because when I had those four days without a good, strong Al-Anon meeting, and I was not surrounded by a bunch of Al-Anons, I checked out that savings account. I drew from that. And it kept me level. And thank God the day that I started feeling uh, empty, like something was missing, was the same day that I had my home group meeting on. And I knew I could do something for 12 hours that would appall me if I had to do it for a lifetime. I could go until that night to go to a meeting. And then it all came back. And it boosted me up, and I felt energized, and I felt like I do right now. Yeah. So I learned, I learned from that. It's the consistency, consistency, consistency that keeps us on a level course. That was the best reason for keeping ourselves alert to what we were doing and saying and promptly correcting whatever lapses our fault, faults had led us into. And when we get into those places and we have a bad day and we have a slip, an Al-Anon slip, Start taking somebody else's inventory. Thank God I didn't do any of that. There was none to be taken. That uh, I could have made some up. It's very easy to get in and start taking people's inventories when you're in a, not feeling up to par. And uh, I would have been the only person that would have been hurt. I could have hurt that other person with words, whoever it could have been. But I'm the one that gets hurt. It's like people that go around and gossip. You know what people say? Jesus. I have a very good friend in the Al-Anon family group program that her and I have been friends ever since the day I came into this program. And uh, there was a time that my sponsor put me on space from her for two years. Because people say, you know, if you want anybody to know anything, tell this lady. She is the Al-Anon Western Union. And uh, and I was given directions to stay away from her for two years because all she would do is gossip. And I was not capable at that time of not getting involved in gossip with her. And so I had to, my sponsor gave me directions to stay away from her. 
And uh, after a couple of years at the Al-Anon Convention, she came up to me and she says, why don't we talk anymore? And I said, I've been on a two-year hiatus from you because you're the worst gossip in Al-Anon and I can't afford to do that anymore. And she said, Sue, thank you for sharing that with me. I heard a rumor like that. I said, it's not a rumor, it's the truth. And her and I are still friends. But we don't talk about others today when we talk. We talk about ourselves. We talk to each other, how, how are you doing, how's your family doing? You know, and we don't get caught up in talking about others anymore. Taking step 10 gave us the opportunity to spare ourselves the consequences of being stubbornly opinionated. I had to take the word never out of my vocabulary when I got here. I will never do that again. And guess what? It was the next thing that happened. (laughs) Because my God does not test me, but he gives me the freedom of self-will to let my character defects take me into old patterns. And it happens over and over again with me if I'm not consistently doing this tenth step. It reminds us that we were not all wise, that the philosophy of our steps is based on humility. That's like, I do not have to defend myself anymore. I absolutely do not have to defend myself anymore. If you say something about me that I don't like, I can turn around and walk off. I don't have to stay, stand there and say, no, you don't understand. That's not right. Blah, blah, blah. I just turn around and walk off. I will not allow myself to be drugged down. I will use the humility and turn it over to God. Say, okay, God, whatever. you know. And it's the person that's left standing there that looks like an idiot, not me. Okay, so uh, it's based on humility, on acknowledging a power greater than ourselves. And see, when I went through this this last week, it was like what I recognized is that not only do I hear, do I get other people's experience, strength, and hope when I'm in this meeting, but I get the power. The power is in here. God's here right now. Where two or three are gathered, God is in the midst. And the power is what gave me that boom Tuesday night. This is the power of God. I'm back, Sue. Where you been? You know, I was talking to you, but I wasn't loud enough, you know. It's like, God, please help me. You know, and today I say, God, please. You know, because I was going... I was missing a link somewhere. It was weird. This leads us to still another thought, not to allow ourselves to be affected or influenced by the demands and expectations of others. And this is not just the alcoholic. This can be with friends, people at work, anywhere we go. In our relationships with family and friends, we may have felt we were only trying to please when we did what someone else thought we should. We thought we were being unselfish when we put aside our own preferences and went along meekly with what someone else wanted of us. I used to sponsor this lady that's not in Elnon anymore, and... uh, she got herself in a lot of trouble in Al-Anon service, being opinionated. And I was involved in it. I was involved in it because I was being considered by the World Service Board to be put in a position that was vacated on the World Service Board. This friend of mine was on the World Service Board, and uh, she was involved in who was going to be appointed to that position. And her people-pleasing character defect got her in so much pain and so much trouble. Hurt me uh, because it all came back. And, uh, and I had a big resentment toward her. 
And I sponsored her at the same time, and I didn't want to run all my resentments out on her. And uh, I got to tell her I was really hurt by all that. And uh, I said, I've got to pray about this. I can't talk to you right now. I've got to call my sponsor. And uh, what my sponsor told me to do was pray for her defect of character of people-pleasing because she wanted everybody on that board to like her. So she agreed with a lot of them that had difference of opinion. When she loved me so much, I'd been her sponsor for many years. But she wanted those people to like her so bad that she was willing to compromise her principles and her love for me. And when my sponsor told me to pray for her character defect of people-pleasing, what I got to learn from that, it got rid of all my resentments, by the way, in case I forget to say that. It gave me so much compassion for her. I would much rather my defect of character be fear and anger than people-pleasing. People-pleasing is so self-destructive. You lose yourself totally in others to the point that you don't even know who you are. You are gone, blotto. You don't have an opinion. It's what everybody else says you are. If they have a different opinion, then you're over here, and, and you are what they are. And then somebody else says something, Yeah, now you're over here with them. And you don't have a clue what your own personal opinion is anymore because you're trying to be all things to all people and that will instill the insanity of this disease quicker than anything and so I had a lot of compassion for her when I started praying for her with that defect of character and her and I are still friends today I got a phone call from her last week saying that she had had a dream about me and it was a good dream and she just wanted to call me and tell me that she still loved me and I love her a lot. Okay, what we were really doing was damaging ourselves, and for this, too, we needed the consistent reminder of step 10. See, if I'm doing this step 10 every day, the chances are of me buying in to other people's stuff, <coughs> their demands or their expectations of me or whatever, are not as apt to happen as they are if I'm not doing this every day, looking at me. What did I do today to grow? What did I do today to grow? That's like the other night. We have a rug in our kitchen. I like the color of it, but the backing has come off of it, and I've tried putting uh, tape on the backside and all this stuff because I just, I know I'm not going to, be able to replace that same color of rug. And the other night, he slipped on it and almost fell. And he said, Damn it, Sue, you have the money to go buy a new rug. Why do you keep this piece of trash here? Go get a new rug, or I'm going to trip and one of us is going to kill ourselves. And he was yelling when he said it. And I didn't say anything. So uh, yesterday he asked me, he was going out of town today to speak, and he said, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, I'm going rug shopping. Finally, I'm so glad you're doing that, he said. And while you're at it, I need some new rugs down in my bathroom. They're the same way. And I said, okay. You know, the funny part about that was is that uh, here a while back I'd looked for some rugs and I wanted to get some, but I thought, well, I really can't afford it. I shouldn't be spending the money, you know. But that's really what I should have done. My character defect said you shouldn't. And if I try to justify my life by saying, should I do this, should I not do this, should I do this, should I do that, I end up shouldn't all over myself. Yeah, when the simple answer is do it. You shouldn't do it. Just do it. Yeah, that's the answer. 
And see, because I've been doing these 10 steps, I could respond to him, I'm going wreck shopping. I didn't have resentment. I didn't get mad about it. And I didn't have to when he said, well, you don't understand. I've been here and I've been here and I've been here and I don't have a rug that color and I know I can't find one that color. I didn't go into all that crap with him. He didn't care. He wanted something that wouldn't slip on the floor. He doesn't care what color it is. He doesn't want to fall down and break his neck. He doesn't want to hear all this stuff that goes in on up here in my head. He just wants the actions. See, it's our actions that take us into good living, not our thinking. I've been thinking about that rug for a long time. It didn't stop it from slipping on the, on the floor. But taking the actions today and getting a new rug stops slipping on the floor. Same thing with this program. I can sit around and think, okay, tonight when I get home, i got to take a tenth step before I go to sleep tonight and review my day and see where I was wrong. And I go home and I lay down and I read or I play a Game Boy uh, and then I fall asleep. And I think, well, tomorrow I'll do that. I'll read my books this morning and I'll do my morning meditation and tomorrow night I'll start doing my tenth step. How many days can I get away with saying that? I can tell the people I sponsor that don't do that. I can tell the people I sponsor that aren't doing the morning meditation and reading their books. Because they'll call me and they'll go, Oh my gosh, no, 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 no. Have you read your page for today? Did you read The Courage to Change? Uh... One morning I was talking to a lady I sponsor about a lady that she sponsors. And uh, and she called me early enough. I hadn't read my books yet. And so after I read my books, I called her and I left her a voicemail. And I said, I just read my pages to today. You call that lady and tell her to read today's page and courage to change. All of her answers are on that page. She's not reading her books. Get on her ass for not doing her morning meditation. Very obvious she wasn't doing it. Because all the answers that this girl had were there to her problem on that day's page. So you can tell the people that are not doing it by the things that they're going through because the answers are here. Perhaps we were afraid to refuse a request or a demand, afraid to cross someone, especially if it was the alcoholic. Oh, my God, don't upset the alcoholic. (laughs) I'll go down the drain. I used to say this to Keith before we got to the program. He'd say, what do you put up with so-and-so? And I knew that I could go through something and I could I could give up whatever it was and I could feel bad and let him have his way and he would feel good because it was easier for me to feel bad with my feelings than it was for me to put up with his attitude. When he was drinking, it's called peace at any price. And I did that a lot in the active disease of alcoholism. However, we got this program. The first time I said my sponsor that uh, maybe he had asked me to do something or maybe he had told me to do something and I didn't want to do it and I told my sponsor, I said, but he'll get upset. She goes, so what's wrong with that? He's got a program. He's got a sponsor. Let him deal with it. Let him work through it. Let him work his program but you have a program and you have to work it too. What if these people get upset? It's like here a while back with Bear being responsible for her whole family, paying for their cell phones and everything. And she's broke. And I could quit it. Let them get their own cell phones. They're going to get mad at me. I said, yes, they will. But how else are they going to learn to be responsible for themselves? You've taken care of them all their lives. 
How are people going to learn to be responsible for themselves if we are always doing everything for them and putting us aside? It's like having a piece of pie. Oh, my gosh. We cut a pie and we start passing out all the slices. And then we get to us and it's all gone. What I was told to do when I got this program is cut that pie, take out my piece, and pass around the rest. How many times did you open a pack of gum and pass it around and it came back and it's empty and you didn't get a piece of gum? <laughs> I open a package of gum now and I take a piece of gum and then I pass it out. I come first. I come first today. And I come first because I'm worth it. I come first because I want to feel good about me. I don't do it with a selfish sense of I get mine and Screw you. I do it with from the point of view that if I'm okay, you're going to get better. If I'm going to do this for me, if I'm going to work to be a better person, become what my God wants me to be, and I try to work consistently at becoming a better person, you're going to be fine. No matter what happens, you're going to be fine. Because I'm okay with you. Because I'm okay with me. If I'm not okay with me, you're all messed up. And I'll tell you about it. And we can't do that anymore. We can't take pleasure in other people's misery. That's why we call it Al-Anon. It's because if you're new in here, you have found a place where people will not put you down for loving an alcoholic. They will not put you down for asking dumb questions. There are none. They will not put you down for you seemingly feeling helpless because you have to say, help me. We say, yeah, come on in, we'll help you. People were here when I came in and said, help me. That's my responsibility to God, is to help you back. But I am in no shape to do it if I don't have the consistency of this tenth step in my life every day. Thank you.